Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the fucking Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. We know that they're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. For Horvat behind the goal to the right circle. Besser shoots, he scores! I wouldn't call it vision, I, I call it his hockey sense, knowing where people are and, and stuff. And In the shark zone, he's got the puck again. Hughes left wing, shoots, he scores! Yeah, it was nice. I mean, something that was weighing on my mind for sure the last couple games. But that's going to do it as the Canucks will pick up their third consecutive victory. A decisive home ice win tonight at Rogers Arena. Hello, hockey fans. Hello, sports fans. Hello, Halford and Bruff fans. Brooke Ward with you, along with Dan O'Connor. Pinch hitting off the bench. Deep into the depth chart. Everything you want from a sports show except Halford and Bruff. Andy Cole is here, though. So we're going to get everyone rocking today. Dogs are barking. Cats are meowing. I hope you had a uh, purringful Christmas season that does continue. Uh, Dan O'Connor with us, too. Danny Boy, how you doing, buddy? Brooke, what an honor this is. A-Dog, uh, this, is, uh, this is really cool. We get to keep seats warm for the next three days yep. and uh, doing so on the heels of the third win in a row for the Vancouver Canucks, the hottest team in the Western Conference, at least if you go by the last 10 games or so. Three teams in the West have won seven of their last 10. They are the Dallas Stars, they are the Minnesota Wild, and they are the Vancouver Canucks. They are over 500 or they're over hockey 500 for the first time this season. And what a what a thrill it is, guys. Really looking forward to the next uh, handful of days and getting a chance to uh, swing the sports hammer with you guys. Swinging the sports hammer. A dog, Andy Cole. Happy holidays to you, sir. Nice to see you again. I haven't yeah, I seen you for three years, it's, it's, basically. It's been a slice. It's been a while, you know? I don't know. I know. It's, it's like we're, we're back at our old stomping grounds again. I have not hosted a talk show for three years since, uh, well, <coughs> yeah, before the demise of uh, TSN 1040. And the listeners here are going to know why uh, over the next three <laughs> hours as well. Uh, but uh, you, Andy Cole, I'll go to you, then I'll go to Dan. But uh, Christmas was treated you well. Anything exciting? Oh, no, just relaxed. I ate way too much. Uh, didn't uh, go to the gym as much as I should have, so I've been bad. And uh, Yeah, no, it's been super relaxing. It's been nice to you know not have to deal with Halford and Bruff for the last uh, week and a half. It's I can been, see that. Yeah, there's been sort of a stress cleanse there, I think. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been enjoyable. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what the best thing it was that you got for Christmas. You just nailed it. Yeah. A week and a half, two weeks away, except you have to put up with me and Dan. Oh, no, you guys are you guys are a pleasure. Yeah, I said, you stay tuned for the next three hours, three days. Dano, how'd you do <laughs> at Christmas, buddy? Uh, doing, doing very well, well guys. Uh, a, tri- a, tri- a trip north to Prince George and a um, bit of an, an echo, echo in my, my ear here. here. Let's, Let's see if we, we can, can fix, fix that, that from my little uh, there you go. Uh, jig setup. There we go. We are, we are loving life now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Up in Prince George, uh, you know what, guys? I'm 37 years old. Uh, full disclosure, and for the first time in about 13 years yesterday, I went snowboarding. And uh, you know what? To say the I'm I, I'm feeling a little bit better today. I, I I'm not necessarily as sore as I thought I was going to be, but um, 
you know what, this this sort of extended break up here, the, the UBC sports schedule allowing for a little more time flexibility. So I, I went skiing yesterday for the first time in too long, uh, and it shows. Yeah. But, um, I bet you, we talked yesterday, you know Christmas, you'll be feeling it more as the day oh, wears on. Totally. And, and you know what, it, it was one of those sobering, you're too old for this, Dan, don't do this anymore sort of things. But um, you know what? The the uh, unfortunately the the airport delays and some of the flighting issues um, made it so that my dad was unable to make it north for Christmas with us. But you know what? <clears throat> Had a great northern Christmas with my wife and and her family, and really looking forward to sort of winding down 2022 in style here, and then getting back at it in January. So plenty to talk about, plenty of uh, plenty going on in the sporting world as well. So no, uh, again. Just happy to be uh, keeping seats warm here for the next three days and looking forward to a busy show today. Saw Dan's dad at the Vancouver Giant game last night. Dan, of course, uh, Dan O'Connor with us. He mentions UBC. He works out at UBC, too, in the PR department out there, so he's everywhere. But his dad said, uh, was very excited about the show, Dan, and said he may tune in. He might actually tune in today. So you can look forward to maybe your father tuning into the show today. That'll be one, maybe one listener today, buddy. Uh, you know what? That's one more than I was expecting, so we're already ahead of the game. Me too, frankly. Uh, Dan O'Connor, Andy Cole, A-Dog. You got an A-Dog, you got a D-Dog, and you got a B-Dog. Brooke Ward with you here in relief of Halford and Broff. They're back next week, I would imagine, Andy, as well. So shake and uh, shake it down through the new year. But uh, we're going to carry you through Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning from uh, 6 till 9 a.m. till we uh, give way to the other guys who come rolling in here as well. Uh, on the program today, uh, it's uh, we're going to find out what happened in a couple of minutes, too. At the bottom of the hour, David Amber of uh, the Pride of Sportsnet going to join us for some NHL conversation. Nick Shuck, the fine writer for NFL.com, usually on Mondays for Monday morning quarterback. It's now Wednesday morning quarterback. You see, Huffman Bruffer away, but the brain track continues daily here we switch from monday to when andy cole written all over that wednesday morning quarterback to come your way chris faber canucks army coming your way at eight o'clock later on in the program what we learned as well 607 in the morning time now to find out what happened hey did you guys see the game last night no what happened i missed all the action because i was we know how busy your life can be what happened you missed that By the way, I should mention, what happened was I didn't mention that we're coming your way from the Acura Studios here, the official automotive sponsor, uh, the Kintec Studios actually, but uh, Acura sponsoring Hour One, the official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff. The uh, Dolly Reed family, did I get Dolly Reed correct? Delari. Delari. Thank you. There you go. It was close though. That was brutal. I mean, you had the first letter correct. I really should have read this over before. <laughs> the Lawry family of Acura dealers experience the DeLalry difference today. Do we come your way? And we do from the Kintac Studios here in Vancouver. Uh, Dana, what happened was the Vancouver Canucks did not give up more than a couple in a hockey game. They didn't give up five. They didn't need to score six to win a hockey game, yet they did score six. Six-two over San Jose last night. That's one of the first things that happened that leaps out at me. Well, and Bo Horvat with two goals and two assists in that game. A four-point night for the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. And when we wake up today, uh, Bo Horvat is flirting with the very top of the NHL goal-scoring lead. Uh, if your name is Connor McDavid, you are the only player ahead of Bo Horvat in that category. 26 goals for Bo Horvat, 26 goals for Tage Thompson. Uh 
some elite company for the Canucks captain, and he was far from alone in his uh, in his terrific performance. Quinn Hughes gets off the schneid with a big goal uh, and just a solid all around effort for a Canucks team that. Again, has now won three in a row. They are uh, the, one of the hotter teams going in the Western Conference when you look at the last 10 games or so. And, um, you know, still obviously on the outside end of the playoff picture, there's all sorts of, you know, narratives surrounding this team and what are they going to do with Bo Horvat? What What's going to happen, you know, as the trade deadline gets closer in the early part of March? But for the time being, we are waking up happy uh, and just a solid game for the again to uh, to start off that second half after Christmas at home before a, a, a tough road trip through a couple of Canadian rival cities, Winnipeg, Calgary coming to mind. So uh, definitely a solid way to return from the break for the Vancouver Canucks. Horvat 2-2, two and two, as you mentioned, got 26 on the year. Uh, Besser had 1-2 and two last night as well, Dan. Good for Besser, good for the Canucks if they're actually looking to move him and plan to try and get anything for him at all or at least have someone take that contract. He needs to get rolling. Another one for Patterson. And Micaiah, Hughes' first of the year, by the way, might be the goal of the year. That What an incredible goal in his first of the year. That's another topic, too, that he only has one. Mikhaev, though, I want to ask you about my brother. A goal and three helpers. He's got 12 goals, uh, 10 assists on the season, I believe. And he's been everything the Canucks could ask. This guy who sort of has been flying under the radar, Dan, but I suggest maybe not for that much longer, even if I'm one of the few who have him flying under the radar, because Mikheyev is earning his money here. For sure he is. And when you sort of look at what the the MO on Ilya Mikheyev was sort of at the beginning, I mean, you knew you were going to get sort of a middle six forward that could absolutely fly you know, 20 goal potential was certainly the name of the game with, with Ilya Mikheyev. But, you know what, they, you, you know, I was sort of looking at the Canucks, uh, you know, stat leaders this morning and, and sort of looking at just the way this season has gone. And, I mean, you're getting the, you know, the, the production from the usual suspects, Pedersen, Horvat, Kuzmenko, Miller at the very top. But a tidy 12 goals, 10 assists, 22 points for Ilya Mikheyev now in 31 games. But you know what? 11 of uh, of the 12 goals have come at even strength for this Vancouver Canucks team. And you know what? Just with the way he is, he's, obviously he's he's a disruptor. He's you know listening to what uh, the, the, the tail end of the postgame show yesterday, IMAC talked talking about, you know, adding a bit of depth to that second power play unit for this team. And if I mean, if you've got Ilya Mikheyev now under a very reasonable contract for the next little bit, this is a sample size that uh, I think we could certainly get used to. Definitely a highlight. Uh, Lane Peterson as well was was sort of a guy who in his five-game sample size with the Vancouver Canucks has been very impressive. I remember watching Lane Peterson a fair bit when he was in the Western Hockey League and thinking, okay, yep, there's some some transferability. And, and when we get Faber on the show a little later on this morning, certainly want to talk to him about, you know, whether there is some staying power here with Lane Peterson. Because obviously, you know, it's it's you and I could probably put skates on Brooke and find some chemistry with, with Elias Pedersen. I mean, he's that good. But... Um, uh, obviously, for him to sort of step into the lineup and make an impact that he is, this is uh, this is sort of I think what we all had in mind. You know, games like this and wins like this when the the season was about to get going. Spencer Martin, of course, doing what he had to do. Now it's all about you know 
taking the good and, and sort of compartmentalizing that a little bit and, and trying to sort of keep this winning streak going in Winnipeg tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets team that fed you their uh, fed you your lunch on your home ice, uh, you know, less than two weeks ago. You know, I'll take a I'll take a win. I'll take a six two win, obviously, any day if you're Vancouver. They should beat San Jose at home, though, right? So I don't want I'm not over the top on this game in particular, Dan, because they should beat San Jose. It was nice that uh, Martin got in there and got a win too, and only gave up two in a hockey game. But what I will say is that they, as you mentioned, they won three in a row. They had the 0-5-2 start. They're 16-15-3 right now, so they've won 12 of their last 17. They're on a 16-10-1 run. They're 7-3 without Demko, Dan. I mean, whoever they beat, and you get that 6-2 win, whoever you beat, I mean, the Canucks are, I'm raising my eyebrows. I don't have them as a playoff team. The mountain they've had to climb to get to this point, they're going to drift back a little bit, and they're going to play stiffer competition. But if I told you when Demko went down, they'd go 7-3 and three without him, or after their start, they would then go on a 16-10-1 run. Would you have believed me? Probably not at first. And that that's where I think that, I mean, hopefully there is a little bit of staying power, you know, in this. And you sort of look at the upcoming schedule for the team. I mean, you're at Winnipeg tomorrow night. That They're a team, again, as I, as I mentioned, they're playing some very good hockey, you know, in the Western Conference. Calgary Flames, they're scuffling a little bit. They dropped the a Battle of Alberta game last night to the Edmonton Oilers, a, a hard-fought game. But the, then we, we get to the real grunt of the schedule here, Brooke, uh, starting January 3rd, uh, in this order, Islanders, Avalanche, Jets, Penguins, Lightning, Panthers, Hurricanes, Lightning, Avalanche, Oilers, before hopefully a gimme against the Chicago Blackhawks in late January. So that's a stretch of 10-plus games against you know every single team minus Winnipeg that was a, a playoff team last year, and a darn good one at that. I hear you, buddy. I mean, the schedule will get tougher. Teams will play tougher in the second half, too. And, uh, you know, things we can talk about later, but if I'm thinking about toughness in general, the Canucks aren't a pushover team, but we've talked for years. A, first of all, they still have their issues behind their blue line. They still are dreadful defensively. They still have one, you know, two, three guys who are good NHLers, shall we say, behind their blue line, Dan. Those warts have not gone away as far as I'm concerned, and the, the defensive structure of the players, the forwards coming back to, those issues have not gone away. So you take these wins. But teams are going to play them tougher. Teams are going to play them harder. Teams are going to play them more physically. I don't expect the Canucks to get run out of a building, Dan, but they're not built to be a playoff team from a physical standpoint as well if you want to get into the playoffs and then go anywhere in the playoffs. That remains an issue for the Vancouver Canucks for me as well, despite the fact that they're on a, a pretty decent-looking stretch here over the last month and a half. Well, and, and I think that the, the big decision that sort of has to come from that is how much stock do you put into a, a seven and three stretch versus the long game and the bigger picture with this Canucks team. And, and I think that has sort of been the, the polarizing subject really from the from the from the jump and, and even heck going back to the summer and the, the JT Miller contract getting signed. So yeah, I I, I mean I guess the question sort of begs is what kind of run is going to have to take place in in the early part of January for there to be some realistic playoff fodder and some realistic playoff conversation happening with this team. Uh, I, I'm inclined to agree, Brooke. I, I don't think we're we're there yet. I mean, if you 
sort of look at the the NHL standings and sort of where they stack up today. Certainly there is some work to do and and the Canucks certainly still finding themselves on the outside looking in to that wild card playoff race. I mean they they start the day 5 points back of the Edmonton Oilers albeit with with two games in hand, but you know we're we're, we're still probably four wins in their next five games away from having a more real conversation, I think, about huh, could this team sort of catch lightning in a bottle and, and be a team that can flirt with with maybe a third place in the division or a wild card spot. But, you know, to your point, just about the, the, this team defensively, and, and I think this team sort of all throughout, when is Thatcher Demko going to get back in? What will hopefully a healthier Demko do to sort of impact the morale of this team? And then there's still that giant elephant in the room of, what, what are you going to do with your captain? And, and what is it all going to sort of mean? Doing a bit of research in the, in the past few days, I'm, I've been sort of racking my brain trying to find the, the last time that an unrestricted free agent was coming off a 40-goal or a 50-goal season. Uh, you, you've got a lot of work to do to find those players because they are so exceedingly rare uh, the most recent one that I was able to find, Brooke, was probably Marion Hossa, 40-goal season with the Detroit Red Wings at the later portion of that decade, and and then joined the Pittsburgh Penguins, and and sort of the rest is, is history. Then he, he plays for Pittsburgh, sorry, played for Pittsburgh, signs with Detroit, had a 40-goal season, <laughs> then he signs with Chicago, okay. and ultimately got his Stanley Cups. But um, no, I, I mean, the, the story... The, the storylines with this Canucks team are never ending. And really, it's up to them now to go to Winnipeg and try to keep this thing going, tightening, you know, tightening things up defensively, but also making sure that um, the bread and butter of this team, that the offensive depth, the talent that they have, uh, continues to, to you know, score in waves against some much tougher competition starting tomorrow night. By the way, we should mention the uh, Dunbar Lundberg text basket inbox, 650-650. That's the text line right now. The smart alternative visit Dunbar Lumber, Arbutus in Vancouver, Bridge Street in Ladner as well, online at DunbarLumber.com. 650-650 is the text line. We're getting a few texts here, too, that... Uh, the fact that uh, I'm sure this is this not towards you, Dan. This clearly at me, but uh, Minor Matt says, ha, 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 oh, man, it's going to be a long show when I mention that I'm here for three hours this morning, Dan. So I, that's certainly, it's not at Andy Cole and you, but one of the first ones in there uh, is uh, from our good buddy Minor Matt. So thank you. Keep them coming, man. Keep them coming. Uh, moving on, we'll talk more about the Canucks as we roll along here. You are right, my brother. They're only five points out of a playoff spot. they got a couple teams to catch, but they're in the thick of things right now. I guess I should say, when you climb that mountain, though, Dan, after that 0-7 start to the year, if you're going to win, as an example, pulling numbers out of the air, seven in a row to catch up to that 500 mark to get back in the hunt, you're probably not going to win another seven in a row. That's why catching teams... Takes, it takes so much out of teams over the years, Dan. You catch the teams you're chasing, and eventually they're going to win a few games because they lose a few to let you back into the mix as well. So you catch those teams, but to pass them is a whole other thing. And the Canucks are still working, Dan, on catching those teams and then trying to have some gas in the tank after they do it. And, and I guess I'll pose this question to you guys, and as we sort of set up the fodder for the remainder of the morning and ADOG will please weigh in on this as well, but does the fact that today in in late December, one game over 500 and, and coming off, you know, their third straight win, does this do 
does this do anything to dispel the the uncertainty of Bruce Boudreaux's future? I mean, clearly, I'm I'm sort of seeing a Canucks team right now that is doing their best to sort of galvanize around their head coach a little bit, and you, you certainly can't scoff at seven wins in your last ten games to sort of stay in the mix, if you will. Or is this simply just too far down the tracks now with Bruce Boudreaux that uh, the, the borrowed time that he's on is just sort of continuing? Considering all the things that are uh, circling around the hockey club, they just keep winning. And some of the guys that the uh, vultures are circling around when it comes to their future with the Vancouver Canucks, Horvat in particular, continues to dazzle, shall we say. And the price goes up for a team signing him or the price goes up for the Vancouver Canucks or the price of what the Canucks get back for him if they move him keeps going up too. So either way, I guess it's a winning situation for Vancouver. I just hate to lose the guy. Uh, let's find out what else happened. Luka Doncic last night. Oh. Insane! guys 60 21 and 10 the triple with 60 on top and 21 boards and 10 assists dad what's this guy on who's he remind you of anybody is there anyone he's the happiest man on earth you see the highlights of this thing he's the happiest man on earth well and, and i mean he he's literally done something that lebron never did that kobe never did that michael jordan never did and um you know what i i sort of watch Luka Doncic and I sort of see sort of this new wave of the NBA where there's just such an onus on shooting. But, um, you know, for him to, to, to just try and make sense of the night is uh, you, one of those things where you don't necessarily, the, the beauty of sports and I guess the beauty about the NBA and, and sort of the focus on the stars is you never really quite know when you walk into the building what you're going to see and if you're going to, you know, see a performance like what Luka Doncic did. You know, 60 points, the 21 rebounds, the 10 assists. It's the most points ever scored in a single game by a Dallas Mavericks player, which sort of at first surprised me a little bit, but I guess when you sort of think about what the... I, I mean, you would have thought maybe Dirk Nowitzki would have flirted with 60 maybe once or twice, but but maybe not. And, you know, Jason Kidd was more of a pass-first guy when, when, when he was sort of in his prime with the Mavs, but... Um, no, a wonderful feat for Luka Doncic and certainly one of the, the, the storylines in the NBA and what that can maybe do to sort of galvanize him and galvanize the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, if you sort of look at the the NBA standings, I know the Boston Celtics are sort of the team ahead of everybody else. And, you know, the, the Mavericks, with that, uh, with that performance, they are the current sixth seed right now in the Western Conference. So still... A little bit of work to do there for, for Luca and the Mavs to sort of climb the standings, but um, a remarkable performance nevertheless for the Dallas Mavericks' uh, wonder kind, uh, Luka Doncic. Yeah, I don't know who to compare him to right now, but again, pry the smile off his face, Dan. I just don't know who to compare him to. Is, is he LeBron and uh, I don't know who he is a mix of, but he just looks so big, so strong. You need a new LeBron coming on in the league. The NBA always has someone who comes along and uh, butters the bread after other superstars coming to the league. This guy's the next guy, isn't he, Dan? I, I mean, he's he's certainly in that conversation. I mean, I, I mean, Luka Don. This is not. I, I think to those who follow the NBA close enough, I mean, the, you sort of have this group of perennial MVP threats, and and I mean, I think you know, 
you, you sort of look at the the perennial MVP players in this day and age, and you know Joel Embiid comes to mind. Devin Booker for the the Phoenix Suns, I know, has sort of dabbled, and you know Steph Curry continues to to dazzle with the way he he's playing for Golden State when he's healthy and when he's right. Um, you, you can't look past a LeBron James, but but Luka Doncic, I I don't think I'd be at all hyperbolic to suggest that he's a top five player in the NBA. And with a performance like this, heck, we're probably even talking top three, top two. That's crazy. Uh, Kevin Garnett, among the others, former players in the league, probably current players in the league are doing the same thing, tweeting out about him. But Garnett had said there'll be another statue in Dallas and it'll be for Luca as they roll along here. And at this point in his career, if I'm going to give him a statue and I'm looking for the perfect pose, it's one of those from the highlight reel last night with the big mouth open and the whole wink, uh, unless he's holding up a championship trophy at some time in the very near future. Dan O'Connor is with us. A-Dog Andy Cole riding shotgun tonight. Halford and Bruff unavailable for selection this week. We are in off the bench. They're back next week. Uh, this is the Halford and Bruff Show. I'm Brooke Ward. David Amber going to join us next. We'll talk some hockey around the National Hockey League, get the Canucks, get the Oilers, get McDavid and others into the mix. Stay with us. This is the Sportsnet Radio Network. You know, we know that they're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. Welcome back to the big show. It is the Hulford and Bruff show. Everything you want from a morning show except Hulford and Bruff. Brooke Ward, Dan O'Connor with you. Andy Cole riding shotgun as well. David Amber set to join us. Pride of Sportsnet. 60 seconds, get a stopwatch, 60 seconds for Amber. I've just heard in my headphones from uh, Andy Cole. Uh, one of the things I'm going to ask him, Dan, and uh, we'll get into some Canuck items and things of that nature too. The Canuck 6-2 last night. I mean, I'm trying not to be jump on the Horvat train because that's all you've been hearing for so long, Dan. I think it's going to drive you nuts eventually, but how do you not get right back on this train that won't stop? Well, I, I, I mean, it's it, it's all leading somewhere, right? And, and I think that with Bo Horvat, with the 26 goals, again, if you are just joining us, uh, waking up this morning, two more goals for the Canucks captain last night. He starts the day um, tied for second in NHL goal scoring. Connor McDavid leading the way with 31. It's Bo Horvat and it's Tage Thompson, each with 26 goals, second out of all NHL scores. And, and I mean, that that is a pretty elite list, Brooke, when you consider sort of who that all encompasses, when you consider that Bo Horvat right now has more goals than Austin Matthews, more goals than Alex Ovechkin, more goals than Kirill Kaprizov, Jason Robertson. I mean, this is the kind of season that the Canucks captain is having. And there's still so much speculation and justifiably so about Will he be wearing another sweater as early as uh, as the trade deadline or maybe even a little bit sooner? It's just that crazy. It's crazy. Never have I seen a situation like this midseason with a elite player with Vancouver before who's playing out the string, basically, waiting to see what happens. Uh, David Amber is joining us, the pride of Sportsnet. Hello, David. How you doing, sir? Hey, can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. Are you in a snowstorm? Are you following a... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, when the Bluetooth, you know, when you get into your car and the Bluetooth doesn't like kick in right away. <laughs> oh. One of those deals. I was like, oh shoot. Um, but yeah, I, I got you loud in here. How you guys doing? 
Heard you talking Horvat, and then I broke away for 10 seconds, and I'm, I'm on. So how's it going? Yeah, everything's swell, my friend. I thought maybe you were driving a snowplow or something. It sounded like that off the top. And, <laughs> uh, how's the weather? Where are you, by the way? How was Christmas for you? Uh, Christmas was good. I had some family here. I was worried. I'm in Toronto. I hate to say that, because so, I know your audience are turning off the dials as I, as <laughs> I say that. But, um, uh, yeah, it was good. My uh, sister and, and niece made it in from New York. I was a bit concerned about that, but they made it. And to be honest with you, today it's, Today's kind of your 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 typical Vancouver day. It's clear, it's crisp, but it's it's actually a beautiful day. No mountains, no ocean, so it's still much uglier than your city, but uh, but it's clear. That's, I'll take it. That's good, my friend. It's pretty well clear here now too. After it was crazy. It was it was minus eight degrees four or five days ago. Now it's plus eight degrees, and uh, all the snow is basically gone. At least uh, the the further west you go, David. So I'll take that too. Green grass. I don't mind seeing it at any time of year. Uh, Horvat, what do you do with them? Two goals and two assists last night. You're the Canucks. What do you do with this guy? Oh man, I mean, I, I don't like the idea of, of the idea. The, the idea that this has even happened, that we're in this point of conversation, is is so strange to me. I mean, it's very Canuck. The found, yeah. Well, listen, I, when I looked at the foundational pieces of the Canucks, I'm like, okay, there's Patterson, there's Hughes. You know, Demko going into this season, of course, has been spectacular. And Bo Horvat, those to me were sort of the, the consummate core four. And the idea that we're talking about this guy, you know, not just because he scored all these goals this year, but he's, he's been such an important piece in so many respects. The, the face-offs, the leadership, you know, he could play shorthanded, he could play uh, man advantage. Like, he's such a great situational player, and he's a guy in his prime. I, I don't really quite understand how we got to this point. Um, to me, if I'm the Canucks, you know, my whole idea would be, like, we need to open up some cap space to build a Ford for Horvat, and this was a deal that I would have tried to have got done earlier. The price just keeps going up. Let's face facts, right? You, you said it yourself in the introduction here. I mean, the price has been going up and up and up and up, and it might be now very difficult to keep Bo Horvat. And because it's become somewhat at least seemingly, you know, I don't know if acrimonious is the right word, but it certainly, I imagine Bo Horvat's feelings might be hurt at this point that his name's been dangled out there it might become even harder. He might have mentally prepared to, to play for another team. So I'm not sure how it stands for him. Um, but the, the days of the home down discount, you know, when it comes to Bo Horvat, could be long gone. I got one more for you, and I'll let Dan jump in here. But uh, what does it tell you about Horvat mentally that he apparently is unfazed, statistically speaking anyway, unfazed what's going on behind the scenes? Well, you know, he could even be motivated, quite frankly. You know, you know, like, you know, in high school or college or whatever, and you're dating this girl and she kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure you're my type. And, you know, I, there might be better suiters out there. I do. I do know that. Getting that vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so do I. And you get that vibe. And, you know, some guys might wilt and some guys might be like, well, wait a minute. I am a great guy. I, I am a good fit for you. And you try and prove yourself to be even better. And maybe that's what Borovat's going through. Maybe this is some extra layer of motivation for him in some strange way. I, I don't know. I think he's a psychologically strong guy. I think he's been put in a very difficult position, and he's doing the best he can by saying, look, I don't want to address this in the media. I, I like being here. I'm going to work hard. I'm a, I'm a captain of the team. This is my, my team. I'm going to play my butt off. And he has been, and good for him. Um, the noise, you know, it's hard. The noise in a, in a media center like Vancouver isn't just going to go away. Uh, you know, it's like, again, I've been saying this repeatedly for some time now. We're kind of all waiting for something to happen. Maybe nothing will happen. I don't know. But we've all been sort of sitting here waiting for, you know, the proverbial other shoe to drop, whether it's a trade. It might not be Horvat, but someone getting moved or, or someone getting, you know, 
uh, replaced, whatever the situation may be. So it hasn't happened. And I'd love this team to come together, get galvanized, and become the team that a lot of its fans ba- fan base, and, and myself included, thought they were going to be this year, a, a, a competitive team fighting for a playoff spot, and that would be a real threat if they did make it into the playoffs to, to be a, a difficult out for their opponent. And, you know, they're inching towards that, but they, they certainly have such an upward, upward hill to climb. David, what kind of impression is Elias Pettersson making sort of east of, uh, maybe east of the mountains? I mean, I mean, obviously that the chatter in Vancouver, and justifiably so, has been so positive about Pettersson with, with how he's played as of late. But, I mean, are, are we truly entering maybe sort of, you know, top 10, top 15 players in the NHL with Elias Pettersson? Or are we trending there in your mind? Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't, he, this isn't a Vancouver secret. I mean, Pedersen was an all-star a few years ago. This guy, mm-hmm. anyone who's watched him knows how good he's been. He's the leading scorer from his draft class. He's a world-class player when healthy. He had that horrific start last year. We all saw that. I don't, can't remember what the numbers were, like four goals in 37 games or whatever, some lewd number. And, and you know, credit to Bruce Boudreaux got in there and got his head straight. And, and Pedersen was one of the best players in the NHL the final 40 games of last year. And, you know, he continues to be an elite, elite player. And you could see why the Canucks brass have sort of said, you know, marked him as an untouchable. Of course, he, he should be. I mean, that's the kind of guy, uh, a foundational piece, along with Horvat, along with Quinn Hughes. You know, those types of players are the types of players you need to win championships. So, uh, yeah, it's not a secret by any means. I mean, people know about uh, Patterson and people love Patterson and respect his game. And, and you talk to other NHL players and they respect his game as well. And I think that's, that's what matters most. Not really what the fans or the media think, but when you talk to other NHL players and they're like, yeah, you know, we know what Patterson's on the ice. We know his shot. We know his ability. We know his playmaking, his creativity, you know, junior Sedin, right? <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's no secret. David, when you look around the, the NHL and, and sort of focusing on the Canadian teams, I mean, we know what the Leafs are doing in the standings, but then you've sort of got the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers three points apart out west. Which of those two teams are you buying maybe a little bit more stock in at the current moment? The Jets or the Oilers? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Um, well, I mean, listen, the Jets have been incredible. And now they're kind of treading water a little bit only because of the injuries. And what really made it all the more impressive to me was the fact that they had had such great success the first, you know, 30 whatever games of the year without uh, Nicholas Ehlers. Nick Ehlers is, you know, one of their best players and and arguably is the guy who drags them into the fight uh, night after night because he plays with some edge and he can do so many different things. So the fact they've been having success without him and now they're trying to you know, keep afloat without Blake Wheeler and Appleton and a few other guys, you know, I, I really like the Jets because I think they're playing back to that level they were playing a few years ago under Paul Maurice. I think Rick Bonus has sort of re-energized this group and really maybe given them a bit more structure. Their penalty kill is so much better than it was last year. A year ago, it was, you know, as soon as they were on the shorthand, it was a bad situation for them. And this year they're, they're much more, um, trustworthy uh, defensively and Connor Hellebuck looked tired last year and he looks rejuvenated and healthy this year and I guess not making the playoffs he had a bit of extra time to rest so I believe in the Jets um, the Oilers I, I do want to see what they do I, I do want to see if they can add a piece or two to me they're just they're not a complete team they're so incredibly talented up top with with Dreisaitl and McDavid and, and they have other complementary pieces but 
I think they need another defenseman. Um, and I like the fact that Stuart Skinner is playing as well as he has. It's sort of made up for the fact that Jack Campbell's has struggled so far. But, you know, if you're going to ask me to pick one of the two teams, you know, I'm going to take Hellebuck over over the duo of, of Campbell and Skinner. So, um, you know, I, 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 I don't believe in the Oilers. I, I definitely think, you know, I'd love to see what the playoff version or the post-trade deadline version of the Oilers is. And then I think we can really compare apples to apples. But right now, um, you know, the Jets, I guess, have made a bit of a believer out of me, just the way they, they fight and grind and can win in so many different styles. Couple more for you, David. We'll let you run here. Ovechkin sitting on eight oh two now. What are your general thoughts of this guy who just won't stop? Yeah, it's it's you know he's he's just a freak, right, guys? Like <laughs> this is the thing. He he scores and you know everyone knows his game plan, his mo, what he does, and he still can't be stopped. And you know his durability through seventeen years. He's missed forty seven games and. I think the large bulk of those have been through suspension through, through different things. So he, he's just so durable. He plays so hard and he's just so powerful. And, you know, we've only had two players 37 or older score 40 goals in a season, Johnny Busick and um, Gordy Howe. And, you know, this could be a guy who at his age gets 50 goals this year and doesn't show any signs of slowing down. It's just really, it's, it's just incredibly impressive. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I just think he's sort of one of those gifted freaks of nature, and he embraces scoring in a way that most players don't. And, you know, I, I do think we're going to sit here probably in about two Novembers from now, and we're going to be talking about the, the greatest all-time goal scorer in NHL history. I hear you. If you went back five years, David, I was saying his body's got to break down sometime, doesn't it? Will he catch Gretzky? And now I'm like, hey, it's a done deal, basically. Like, he's going to catch Gretzky unless he steps in a pothole or something like that. But I would, <laughs> I, I would think he, he's, he catches him, right? You just alluded to it, but, I mean, he catches this guy. Yeah, I mean, all signs point to that. I think the narratives change from, from if to when. Uh, anything can happen. You can't, you know, can't take anything for granted. You know, we saw his teammate John Carlson take a, you know, a shot to the face versus Winnipeg last week, and he's out indefinitely. I mean, those types of freak accidents happen every game, right? We've seen some crazy injuries happen to players, and he's been lucky enough to avoid a catastrophic injury, but doesn't mean he's immune to it either. So nothing's a guarantee, um, but, you know, if there ever was a, something as close to a guarantee and staying durable and, and continue to plow through, it seems to be Alexander Ovechkin. And, and it is a great storyline to, to be keeping an eye on and certainly is I think it's actually been something that's led Washington to this great run they're on you know uh, you know they without Backstrom without Tom Wilson uh, without Oshie for long stretches this year without Orloff for long stretches this year I mean we're talking key 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 components uh, without Kemper for some time and somehow they've won five in a row I think they've won now nine of ten and they're, you know, they're on the cusp of being in a playoff position it's, it's an incredible story and I do think maybe Ovechkin's chase of history over the last few weeks has energized the team because when you hear the other players talk about it they just say how exciting it's been to be a part of it and watch it unfold before their eyes david buddy thank you so much for doing this enjoy the sunshine in toronto and a happy new year to you now that's coming up next yeah guys be well and uh yeah let's hope the canucks just keep rolling in the right direction maybe it'll be you know much harder to, to trade horvat and maybe uh the whole narrative around the team will change as well. So happy new year to you guys and uh, go Canucks. Let's see how it goes. Thank you, sir. David Amber, the pride of Sportsnet out of Toronto.
Good man. Our text box, the Dunbar Lumbar, the Dunbar Lumbar, the Dunbar Lumber text basket, 650-650. Brand new student. It's hour one for me after three years. That's not an excuse. It's a reason, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to take a couple minutes to get used to it, I would imagine. Andy Cole, Ovi, 37 now. Does he break down? Does no, he get... Uh, I mean... Does he get old? Is nah. he going to get old in the next two years? Nah, he's a robot. I mean, he'll he'll play well until he's forty. I think he's just one of those rare specimens that he's just such he's such an incredible athlete that I just don't see him aging the way most guys do. I mean, I stand to be corrected. Maybe it'll happen eventually, but no, nah, I don't think so. I think he'll be playing really well for a couple more years at least. And barring some insane injury, I think yeah, I agree with you. I think it's likely he does catch up to Gretzky, which is crazy to say because you know even two years ago. I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. No way. No no chance in hell. He'll start to slow down eventually. But it just hasn't happened yet. So I figured, well, if it hasn't happened by now, I yeah. mean, he'll probably have a couple more at least pretty decent seasons. And again, barring some crazy injury, yeah, I, th- I think he does catch him, which is insane to say. I hate to say, Dan, that he's also due for an injury of some nature. Otherwise, as David Amber had mentioned, basically he misses games usually because he misses the All-Star game. So they bang him with a one-game suspension. But this guy, 37... Uh, it looks like a slam dunk to me now, Dan, and others might have said that five, ten years ago. Yet, it, what does he look like at 38? What does he look like at 39? I don't see signs of him slowing down, Mr. O'Connor, in any way. Well, I, I remember the conversation on this very show about a month or two ago when Washington was really struggling, and, and there was sort of this chatter of, what do the Washington Capitals do? Um, do you do you gut the rest of the team and keep Ovechkin around and sort of make the make the focus for the the Washington Capitals you know get Ovechkin his record he brought a Stanley Cup to your city but but what does this sort of mean long term for the viability of the Washington Capitals and what does that rebuild look like but then you look and see what this team has been able to do how they've been able to win and sort of what they've been able to accomplish with uh, a motivated Alex Ovechkin who has 22 goals as we're having this conversation. He's seventh in the league. And, and I mean, he's he's in some pretty elite company. McDavid, Thompson, Horvat, Rantanen, Pasternak, Jason Robertson, and then Ovechkin. 15 of those 22 goals, guys, are even strength goals. So it's not like it's just go to the left circle and wait to one time a puck on the net and hope it goes in. But the fact that he continues to do that too just sort of speaks to the just insane skill that Alex Ovechkin has. You know what he's going to do. You you know where he's going to be on that power play. But it's it's look, you know that Connor McDavid is going to go flying around the ice. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to stop it. I think it's a slam dunk that Ovechkin, if healthy, does get that record. And I think that uh, his success to start this season, I think, is turning you know more and more and more people into believers. And I think it's a great thing. Where would he be if he hadn't missed all those one-game suspensions for not going to the All-Star game? Where would he be? Uh, he, he he might be at 8.07. <laughs> and the lockouts, too. Don't forget the lockouts. I mean, I mean lockouts if, in there. if you take totally. the lockouts out of it, I mean, he might have already caught up to them by now. I can't remember how many. There were lockouts for Gretzky, too. I can't remember. There was at least one. Uh, I always, I just remember early 80s. There was a lockout of some na- ma- uh, some nature. I'll, or, take you, I'll take your word for or it. Or was the player – did the players walk out? I can't remember. I still remember – Trevor Linden is the head of the Canucks Players Association, whatnot, Canucks player representative, and talking about the owners being belligerent back then, and that was taken terribly because of 
uh, how many people had felt the Griffiths family back there was so good to the Canucks and so good to Trevor under Pat Quinn and whatnot, but Trevor was spreading his wings a little bit. So Gretzky missed some games with lockout. I don't think Gordy missed, man. There weren't a lot of lockouts back then. There weren't as many games, mind you, but there weren't a lot of lockouts, and he had all that longevity and the, the goals, Dan, and the Western Hockey or the uh, World Hockey Association, too. But there are lockouts that certainly Ovi had to deal with. And that's funny. Sometimes you wipe a whole season out for somebody, too. We got a chance here in Vancouver to not see the Twins play, as an example, Dan, for a whole season due to a lockout. What's that do to everybody's stats? Well, I... That 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 o four o five lockout that you're referring to, of course, then the, the Gretzky would have would have been really impacted by the ninety four ninety five lockout. Um, you know, shortly thereafter, when when the Canucks made their their cup run, and then the lockout that that soon followed. There's so afterwards. many of them. There's so many of them, huh? Oh, tell me about it. But um, no, I, I I mean, I think that you know, not only has the the individual success for Alex Ovechkin, you know, maintained itself, but but again, the Washington Capitals. Fast becoming a team, I think, that uh, nobody would really want to play in an early round of the playoffs. You know, you, if you can get Nicholas Backstrom back healthy, you can get John Carlson back into the lineup, Darcy Kemper, uh, fresh off a Stanley Cup victory. So so they are, you, you know, one of the things that I was sort of thinking about in, is is who are some of those teams that, that come the turning of the year into 2023, teams to sort of keep a, keep half an eye on out east. Washington is definitely a team like that for me. And, you know, if, if, if Ovechkin say by the trade deadline, he's flirting with 40 goals. Do you look at, uh, you know, somehow, some way, if you're the Washington Capitals, what can you do to improve your roster for maybe one last, or I don't want to say one last necessarily, but, um, you know, can the Washington Capitals become a team that could go around or two or more in the playoffs? They've certainly got the pedigree. I think they've got recent experience on their side. So uh, not going to sleep on the Washington Capitals out east if they can get there. Ovechkin just such a, a marvel. I remember Glenn Hanlon has coached him years ago. Just said you can't ever get, and you see it on TV, Dan, too. Can't get the smile off his face. Can't pry it off. He's first guy on the ice at practice, last guy off. I don't know if he's still that first guy on and last guy off at 37 years of age, but as a young guy when he was loading up 65 and 56 and 52 goal seasons. So, I mean, it's just like, a, just a marvel. The guys you got you get to see, I mean, we were talking about Doncic uh, earlier uh, with Dallas. It's like, enjoy every game, every moment. Remember him young. Remember him old. Ovi's the same type of guy, Dan, that, uh, and he even survived the COVID shortened season of 45 games three years ago, too. So when I'm looking at his stats, it's kind of like, yep, those are 30 games, 37 games that are lost to him as well. But you have to, whether it's him or others, or it's McDavid or going to be Bedard coming along, Crosby, all these guys, Dan, enjoy the moment. They don't last forever. Uh, Certainly not. And I mean, on the the subject of Bedard, I know over the next few days we're going to talk about some world juniors, maybe even next segment. I, I want to get into this a little bit because, you know, with Canada back in action today at the world juniors, uh, a, a controversial loss to the, to Czechia earlier in the tournament to, to sort of kick things off on boxing day. Is this Canadian group uh, not skilled enough? Is, you know, this chatter of, of trying the Michigan move and, and getting scorned for it. I think there's a lot of different ways this can go. But one thing that I, I certainly took away from from the the opening game on December 26 was that Connor Bedard is just that good, and he is going to make one team on NHL draft day ecstatic. 
Just watching highlights here rolling by of Luca again last night. Probably when he hit the 60. The smile on this guy's face. He's like a little kid in a candy store. It's great to see uh, that much enthusiasm, too, from these guys at that age. Dan O'Connor with his Andy Cole riding shotgun, too. Nick Shook's going to join us. NFL.com. We'll talk some NFL next segment. We'll also will dive into the World Juniors for you as well. Chris Faber of the Canucks Army coming your way. How do you keep Horvat? How do you let him go? And one of the things we'll talk about as we move around, too. We come to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. You can find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You also know the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line of 650, 650. It's starting to pick up a little bit. A lot of people still sleeping probably and not at work this week as well. So... If you're with us, we're glad you're here. If you're going to stay with us, you're glad you're here. If you're not with us, you didn't hear any of this stuff. Hulf and Bruff are off this week. Stay with us. More to come. Just a moment. 650 of the Sportsnet Variety. This is the Sportsnet Radio Network.